Before I start, we pray. Lord God, as we remember your coming this first Christmas, and we dwell on these words from the Bible, please be with us now. Amen. So, here we are. It's the first Sunday in Advent. And finally, we're allowed to use that word. You see, for the last six weeks, my children have been pulling me up. What word have I used, Matty? What have I said? Have I sometimes said the C word? The C word. I've said the C word. Now, those of you who have children at the Vine or know something about the Vine will know, at the Vine School, you don't use the C word until December. And it's here. So should we say it all together? Christmas. We're allowed to talk about it. How exciting. And I think, actually, it's a great idea keeping Christmas at least until December because otherwise it just drags back and back and back. I when did the decorations appear in Morrison's and the Christmas presents? Now, it's not that I've got anything against turkey or parties. I went to a Christmas party last night. It was great, but I don't have anything against that. I just think that sometimes we miss out on something when we jump straight into party mode. And I think there's a little bit to be gained by waiting. And uh, the idea of waiting is what links our readings this morning. And in the Old Testament, then, we have the prophet Jeremiah imprisoned and waiting for the fall of Jerusalem, but also waiting for her restoration, waiting for the coming Messiah, waiting, perhaps, for the first Christmas. But there were also people waiting in our New Testament reading. Those early Christians were well aware that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. And they knew what it had meant when he died for them on the cross. Their lives had been completely changed by an encounter with the Lord, our righteous Savior. But they were still suffering. And they were still waiting So that's my second question this morning. What were they waiting for? And then there's us. We click on one more. There we go. And then there's us. You and me in Camborne this morning. Today, as we mark the first Sunday of Advent, we're getting ready to remember Christ's coming at Christmas. And that's what the word means. It comes from the Latin word adventus. I'm no scholar, but that's what they tell me. Adventus means coming, and that's where we get Advent from. And so we're preparing to remember that first Christmas and the amazing reality of God made man. But I think there's more to it than that. In our messy, broken, mixed-up lives, we know that the first Christmas was not the end. The Messiah may have come, announced by angels as the one to bring peace on earth, But bad things still happen around us. And many of us this morning have put our faith in Jesus and put our trust in him. But bad things still happen. And so my final question this morning is what are we waiting for in Camborne today? What's the foundation of our hope? And what should we be doing this Advent as we wait? Well, let's start with the Old Testament reading. This is Jeremiah here. 
and uh, he was a priest and a prophet. And he lived during perhaps one of the most difficult periods of Hebrew history. During the time of the fall of Jerusalem to Nebuchadnezzar. And God had called him from a very young age to speak out against the terrible injustices of his day. And to warn the people that Jerusalem would be destroyed because of their sin. But he was also called to tell them the good news that there would be an end to the destruction and they wouldn't see it in their lifetime but they could have hope that God had a plan. He had a plan for their salvation and they would have to wait but they would know what was to come. And knowing what you're waiting for can make all the difference, can't it? I mean, take a trivial example. You know, when you've got toothache, and you've got to go to the dentist, and you're sitting there, and you can hear the whir of the drill from behind the door. Not my favourite thing at all. But you kind of know that once you've got it over and done with, then the toothache will be gone, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Or perhaps, you know, when you're planning your summer holiday, and you're counting down the days from the calendar on the calendar, you're getting the suitcases out, you're waiting for the holiday, packing the factor 20, or in my case, factor 50, even to go to Scotland. Um, it's exciting, isn't it? And waiting is part of the holiday. But the worst kind of waiting is the uncertain kind. Waiting to hear about the next round of redundancies or the call from the hospital with the results when you just don't know what's happening. And that, I think, is why Jeremiah's message was so important for the people of Jerusalem at that time. They didn't want to listen to his prophecies of doom and destruction. But when all that had come to pass, then they could remember the rest of his message too. Jeremiah's message could give the waiting meaning and give them hope because he taught them about God's plan of salvation and he made it clear that having lived through the punishment, God would bring his people home. Most of all, Jeremiah's message made it clear that there would be a Messiah, the branch of David's throne, the Lord our righteous saviour, and he would do what is just and right in the land. So what happened when the waiting was over? Let's turn our attention back to the first century Jews. Maybe if someone could click on for me. Let's turn them back to the first century Jews. They're back in a restored Jerusalem with a rebuilt temple. But they're still waiting for this Messiah. They were expecting a great political leader. A king who would throw out the Romans and restore home rule. They knew he would be a good man, but they hadn't realised quite how good. I mean, they didn't know that he would be God incarnate. God made flesh. God here on earth. And what a very different agenda he had to the one that they were expecting. You see, when the Messiah came, he avoided political office. Instead, he went out and met ordinary people like you and me on the streets. And he met them with the revolutionary message of God's love. When Jesus came to earth, he broke through the shackles of the organized religion in temple worship. And when he took our place on the cross, 
And when he died for our sins, he paid for them as only one who was fully God and fully man could do. And then he opened the door to the long-awaited kingdom and he came to bring salvation. Which brings us to our second question. We heard a reading from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians and it was written not so long after Jesus. But what were these early Christians waiting for? Why were they still suffering when the Messiah had arrived? Hadn't he ushered in the new kingdom? Well, yes and no. You see, this is where we have a bit of a delicate balance. And during Advent, we're trying to think of these things all together. Because we remember the coming of Christ that first Christmas, when God walked on the earth and and saved us from our sins and showed us how to live in the light of the new covenant. But he also ascended, leaving his spirit and a promise that he would one day return. As we read in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, we had it this morning, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And so at Advent, we also remember that we're waiting for his coming, his second coming, just like the first century recipients of Paul's letter. Now, Paul was writing to them because he had just heard some great news. He just heard that despite suffering and persecution, the Thessalonian Christians were holding strong in their faith. And he writes to celebrate this with them and to celebrate how God's love is shining through them. And in fact, if we go on to the next letter he writes to them, I've got the quote up here, then he celebrates how their faith and their love are growing. So as they wait, these early Christians are being changed. And I think it made a difference knowing what they were waiting for. You see, one of the reasons that Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, as we heard this morning, was to remind them of the hope which lies before them. The hope which helps them to stay strong through suffering. The hope of Christ's return. So, what about us? What are we going to do about it? It's just the same for us as it was for the Thessalonians, isn't it? We too live in the light of Christ's coming that first Christmas. We too know that God came to earth, lived among us, and took upon himself the punishment that we deserved. This is the good news of the gospel that the Thessalonians heard and that we believe today. And it's the good news that we're going to keep revisiting throughout Advent as we prepare to celebrate the incarnation. But like the Thessalonians, it doesn't mean that all our problems have gone away. Our lives and those of our friends and neighbours, well, even here in Camborne, look around it still shows all the signs of a broken and hurting world. What can we do this Advent to hold on to the hope that Christ gave us? And how can we live to make that hope and God's love real to the people around us? Well, let's review where we've been this morning. We started with an Old Testament prophet declaring God's judgment on a sinful people but reaffirming God's loving promise to restore them. And we saw how the people had to live through this and learn from it, but how the promise of salvation kept them going. We've seen how the promise of the Messiah, 
the righteous saviour and branch of David's line that was promised, and how this was fulfilled with the birth of Christ that first Christmas, but that we're still waiting for his coming again. And that made me wonder, what happens to us when we wait? Because waiting can be hard. It's one of those lessons that we're trying to teach our children or our godchildren or our grandchildren. But to be honest, I struggle. I mean, we have 24-hour shopping and 3G internet. If I want to read a book on my Kindle, I just click some buttons, download it, and there it is, and I can start reading. If I want to watch a film, so long as I've got my credit card ready, I can link it up to Love Films or Netflix, and there it is, I can watch it. We don't really do delayed gratification anymore, do we? But I think Advent pulls us back from all that. Even if our Advent calendars are full of chocolate, or if they're decorated with scenes of Santa and his reindeer, then they still remind us that we have to wait. And as we open the doors of our Advent calendars, we're counting down day by day to something. And maybe that'll prompt us to do something different, or perhaps not do some other things as we prepare for Christmas this year. Maybe it'll help us appreciate again that almost incomprehensible truth behind the first Christmas that God came to earth and lived among us. The Saviour was born and one day he will return to heal the earth and build his new Jerusalem. And so often I wish that day would come sooner. But then I think about all the things that God is still doing. The people I want to see with their lives changed. The family and friends who've not yet come to faith. And the plans God has that haven't yet come to fruition. And so I want to keep waiting for a time. Not sitting idly, but with a sense of preparation and purpose. So while we wait, what can we do? How can we get ready for the coming Christ? Well, perhaps we should wait in much the same way as my sister, who I mentioned earlier, who's going to have a baby, is waiting. You see, she's doing the practical things that need doing. She's washing the baby clothes, ironing them, putting them in the nursery beside the newly assembled cot. She's stocking the freezer with home-cooked meals. She's talking to friends about how to put on a nappy or tie a sling. And she's been reading the baby manuals, all the baby manuals, to make sure she knows everything she can in advance. I'll tell you something else, though. She's got my respect because she's doing something else that's really important. She's putting her feet up and she's resting when she needs to. And I think Advent should be a bit like that. In a way, too, we're preparing for the coming of a baby. And yes, there is lots to do to get ready for the big day. But there's a lot we can do to feed our faith along the way. We can meet with other Christians and learn from them, like this morning or, or in our house groups. We can make sure that we're reading the Bible and telling the stories, like with the Jesse tree that we're starting tonight in our house. And we can retell the wonderful story of God's love right through from creation all the way through the history of the Hebrew people to the coming of Christ. And we can remember that the story is not over yet. We each have a part to play in it. God has given each of us a purpose here on earth. And in all of this, 
I think the most important thing we can do this Advent is to remember that we are loved by God. To simply stop every so often and just rest in his presence. It is because of God's love for us that he came that first Christmas. It is because of God's love for us that he died in our place on the cross. It is because of God's love for us that he sent his spirit to guide us now while we wait. It is because of God's love for us and God's love for the world that he sends us out to live as his people this Advent. We have the opportunity to let that love shine out around us as we wait and as we prepare for when he'll come again. And so, as I conclude, let's remember the words from that psalm we read this morning. In you, my Lord, my God, I put my trust. And again, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Let's wait this Advent, trusting in the Lord and reveling in his great love for us.